In this episode of the Encouraged by our podcast, I'm joined by indie creative Tori Helene. Yo, this was a fun episode. Tori and I actually go way back for a couple of years. Um, I think she's absolutely incredible as a talent. Um, and I'm fortunate enough to call her my little sister as well as my friend. Uh, we begin the episode, we talked about where she's from uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio, and how that has shaped the way she, you know, used being an artist and what type of music her parents played growing up, uh, like Jeffrey Osborne and great R&B songs. And she talks about her earliest memories of music being when she was five or six, watching Michael Jackson perform on TV, as well as going to Destiny, a Destiny's Child concert with her sister at the age of eight, which is when she knew that she wanted to pursue music as a career. Uh, we talk about... Uh, how much appreciation that um, you know she has for you know the way that actually I talked about how much appreciation and respect I have for Matthew Knowles and the way that he designed the careers of Destiny's Child. You know, we talk about how any creators really who uh, don't really take the time to learn the craft of music. And really what needs to be done in order to pursue a career and be successful in the music in the music business today. Uh, she talks about how she started, you know, writing songs and recording at the age of fourteen and how she went to a performing arts high, high school and how that really prepared her to um, wanna have a career um, in the arts and kinda if that process w- was helpful, uh, I don't she says it didn't really uh, focus a lot on the recording side, but overall, as a creative, she did a lot of theater, a lot of musicals, and things like that as well. I asked her, you know, about you know uh, being able to understand that education is a missing link, and you know how that is what's what what really stops a lot of people from being successful because they don't want to embrace education. Which often, oftentimes, is a constant theme on this podcast. Uh, we talk about her releasing her first EP, Dark Angel, and how that ultimately uh, led her to where she is today. And the fact of our relationship, of how when we started working together, how oftentimes it was a constant, sometimes back and forth, just because of how I wanted to help her and. She wasn't as appreciative and receptive for that at times, but thankful that we have the relationship that we have today. Uh, we end the episode talking about her EP chainlist that wasn't supposed to come out because she wanted to go a different route as far as making some better songs up until what she has released up until now called the Moonchild EP. And that, you know, how she has finally figured out how to stay encouraged and pursue her dreams and continue along this path with her music career. Hope you guys enjoy it. going on guys welcome to another episode of the encourages by our podcast it's episode number 41 um and today is another great episode and i say that every episode is special and i will always say that because all my guests are special <laughs> but, but today we have somebody who i am absolutely um so proud of and and, and blessed to know uh She's my little sister, you know, <laughs> and, and I really believe that. Like, I really mean that. And, you know, we had a type of relationship, which we'll get into later. But I have uh, Tori Helene with me today. What's going on, sis? Hey, how are you? What's good? I'm good. I'm good. So I'm glad to have you. Took you a while to get you on the pod, but you here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely. Um, yeah. So, you know, we've known each other for almost about four or five years, you know? Yeah. 
actually longer than that. I take that back. It's longer than that. Uh, it has probably since like twenty, probably since twenty fifteen ish. But we didn't really start working together until like twenty seventeen. No, I thought it was 2016 because I was still in college, 2015. So one of them. So it was yeah. So it was 16 probably. So you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I told you it's one of them. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So you know, um, yeah, you know, uh, and and you know, Reggie had told me about about you initially through email. And you know, and then I just things kind of lined up, and and you know, here we are. <laughs> yep. So you know, um, been a while. Uh, definitely. So I definitely want to get into your story, kind of. You know, uh, this podcast is really about like I try to cover really three type of things on this podcast, three areas. Usually, one of them might be disability awareness, you know, and then I might talk about music business topics. And the third has really been people's stories that occurred to inspire me. But lately, initially when I started interviewing people, so it was people who kind of had a an established career and we're just kind of talking about their stories. But it's also kind of, you know, morphed into something where I'm really interviewing independent artists who are really coming up. And so that's really kind of where it's, it's taken. And, and I'm still going to interview people that have had, you know, pretty solid careers, but it's been cool to talk to a bunch of independent artists because that's who I serve. You know, I serve mm-hmm. independent artists at the ground level of their careers because that's really where um, I feel like I could be the most helpful, you know? So it just kind of, it's cool that I've been able to talk to quite a few emerging artists and creatives like yourself so yeah hold on i'm breaking up can you hear me can you you hear me let's stop the recording hold on yeah i can hear you okay you can hear me now yeah it like pause for a second Okay, sorry about that. We're having a little technical difficulties, guys, but you know it's cool. Anyway, <laughs> back to the regularly scheduled program. <laughs> um, yep. So, so I said I want to get into kind of your story, and, and we'll build from there. Yeah. So, you're originally from Pittsburgh, you know, but you really, you know, you don't really claim that, do you? Well, I was born in Pittsburgh. I lived there for a year, and then when I was a year old plus. Um, my parents moved to Cincinnati, and that's where I've been raised. Right. So yeah. So you know, like like that's like I tell people, like I'm natively from Brooklyn, but like I lived there for about seven years. But I mean, Orlando's home for me. You know, I mean, cause I don't really know New York. You know, I left New York when I was about seven, turning eight. I just turned thirty six at the time we recorded this podcast. So well over half my life has been in Orlando. So I mean, yeah. You know, I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> so you know um how has that been for you you know pretty much being in the midwest your whole life and and, and you know musically and we're going to talk about kind of you know your your upbringing musically but how do you feel like being where you're at has with your musical roots has that helped you at all you feel um i don't i don't feel like it has um i you know i i'm proud of where i'm from um, but I don't, I don't feel like it has, I don't know for me. Um, I've been more inspired with my career. Um, just from my experiences with my parents, like my dad would play old school, like all my life. He would play like Stevie wonder, Jeffrey Osborne, really just my upbringing. I wouldn't say the city has really been, you yeah. know? Yeah, definitely. I feel you on that. You know, I definitely feel you on, you know, the classic, you know, soul records, R&B, you know. Yeah. It's crazy how those records are probably 30, 40 years old and they're still, they're timeless songs. They are. So, you they know, really I want to show you, I think so many times in this generation, and look, you can't help this generation. You're, you're born in this generation. You can't help that. 
You know what I mean? Right. But, you know, this generation, you know, there's artists that, you know, really, they're not making music to make timeless records. They're making music to just say, okay, I can rhyme, I can sing, I should make records right. professionally. And I'm like, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> I know as, yeah. as, as 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 you've noticed along your along the journey how difficult this really really is. <laughs> oh, it is, yeah. You Definitely, I mean? it's it, it's not an easy thing to do at all. Um, so you started singing around the age of five, right? Or so so. But tell me, you know, tell me about your earliest memories in music. Was that kind of when? What do you what do you early? I always ask this question to to my musical guests, like so my my artist guest that I interview about the earliest memories of music. Do you remember that? Yeah. Um, I've always wanted to do this since I can remember, but the earliest memory I probably have is about, I would probably say like maybe five or six when I would watch Michael Jackson on the TV and just seeing him perform and watching Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, um, and then when I was around, I was, well, I think I was like eight, eight or nine. I went to a Destiny's Child concert. It was with me and my dad and my sisters. And I was just like, I have to do this. Like, I was just obsessed. Yeah. And really, that was just the earliest. So yeah. between like five, six, seven, and eight, I was, that's my earliest memory. Okay, cool. Yeah, shout out to Destiny's Child, man, you know. Um, yes. And that was a day, you know, that was a different time, you know, where, where, you know, Matthew Knowles was somebody that had a real plan for each one of those people, each one of, for Kel, for, for Beyonce, for Kelly and for Michelle, you know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and, and literally he designed it, you know what I mean? Like Beyonce yeah. was, was going to be the solo artist mainstream. You know, Kelly was going to go do the overseas thing, you know, and then Michelle was going to go tackle the gospel world. And, you know, mm -hmm. they, they made it happen. You know, I know people that know Matthew personally, and, you know, he he's definitely, uh, you know, he, he's one of those guys. See, he's one of those people because back then, you know, you didn't have the Internet. So you had to you had to go all the way in. Like you had to go and learn this business. Right. And you couldn't just like. You know, you, you have parents that try to work with their kids but really have no clue what they're doing. But at that time, people like him, Sonia Norwood, you know, they had to go all the way in. Usher's mom, you know, mm -hmm. as far as, like, being there to craft their, their, their children's careers. And they've had, you know, created icons. <laughs> they did. <laughs> you know what I mean? Very few people can say, like, Wow, we created an icon. I multi, you know, from you know uh, the 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 journey, you know. So interesting, interesting. So different time now. Yeah, it's a different time. I, you know, it's. I think it's a better time, but the problem is because the internet is so caught up fucked with like bullshit. <laughs> because anybody yeah. thinks they can just do music now so right anybody anybody can just do music so you want to have people who just come into this space of i can make songs like we just said earlier because i just want to and i just think that this is just what i'm going to do and it's like no like respect the craft you know respect the craft right. of this respect the Respect the fact that people dedicate their whole lives to doing this. You know what I mean? I have one of my mentors and friends, Michelle Weiss-Maslin, who has, she's uh, been in the business for 40, 40 plus years and, and songwriter, producer, and one of the only female, very few female producers, you know, there, because, you know, only 2% of the industry is really is, is are female, just female producers. You know, yeah. and you, and you got to realize the difference between a producer and a beat maker. Producer meaning people that administer the record, vocally produce the record. You know, there's a lot of things going on with that. But she said this is all she's ever done. <laughs> she said I can't do anything else. This is all I've ever done. <laughs> and I, you know, and, and she she tells people all the time. She's like, look, if you're doing this to get rich, get out. It's just too hard. It's too hard. 
to just do this for the money. Right. <laughs> it just is. It's too difficult. Like there's way much easier things to do in life <laughs> to go make a living than to be a professional creative, you know, uh anywhere, whether you're acting, you know, singing, whatever it is you do, dance, whatever it is you do, there's way yeah. much easier things to do than to try to go do this professionally, you know? And and in that in that regard. So what did you kind of, so you always kind of knew, what, when did you know, what was the exact moment you knew, like, okay, you know, this is what you want to do, and like, okay, I want to take this seriously? Or is it, like you said, watching Michael Jackson, or is it just like another time where it was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is just what I'm going to do. Um, well, when I went to the, the Destiny's Child concert, I knew, like, I wanted to do it. And then after that, I remember... Um, my parents had a lot of notepads, especially my dad, um, uh-huh. for, since he was a doctor and yeah. I would use the, a lot of the paper and I would draw like a mat. I, I had a really, I have a big imagination. So I would like write down, like I would write songs. I would draw like my album cover and like imagining like what it would be. And I would be in my room. I would blast like Destiny's Child, uh, 3LW as when I got older, like just a lot of music, Maya, Tamia, and I would just pretend I was them. And and, right. (laughs) I would um, be in my room, um, blasting the music, um, learning the words, trying to pretend that I'm on stage. And, you know, I was just practicing like just my stage presence, like in my room. And, and then I would write songs a lot. I would, I, I really wanted to do it. So I would, a lot of it, I knew I was young, so I knew I had time. I just wanted to keep practicing I would sing a lot around the house. Um, and yeah, so as time went on, when I became a teenager, that's when I started to record music for the first time. I was 15 and um, I would go to this guy um, that went to my school. He was a rapper and he had his own studio set up. So I would go over there and I would start recording music. And it was just like a practice time in my life. Um, and yeah. then, yeah, I was just in preparation for now. Definitely. And so, you know, you went to school for the performing arts, right? So do you yeah. feel like that, you feel like that prepared you was, you know, I think about, again, again, I didn't go to performing arts school, but I think about it kind of like, you know, how they have like ROTC or like, or like right. almost trained for the military, but they're like a situation where like, okay, you're going to do your Gen A classes, but everything else you're going to do is like all geared towards pursuing this career in the performer. Was it like that for you? Was it, yeah. Like, it was like so most, yeah so most you there yeah it was can you hear me yeah go ahead yeah i'm sorry so um so yeah my first school um i still had you know math english science um for like maybe about half the day and then i had like about four to five classes where I had a choir class. Um, I had vocal lessons. That was actually um, a class period for me. Um, also, I had um, 13th and Broadway, which was a Broadway class where we performed different shows and practice songs and dancing. Also, we had a dance class with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a keyboarding class. Um, I had music history. So uh, half, the, half the day was music. And it definitely prepared me. It definitely was an eye opener because, you know, there was other singers. So it was kind of like mini competition there. Yeah. Um, did you so have it just to kind audi- of prepared me to deal with competition. Did you have to audition? How did that work? Did you, yeah, have to like, you did you have to like audition to get into the school? Or like how did they, how did, how did all that work? Yeah. So, so there was an audition day and I told my parents and I learned a, a uh, musical theater song. I remember it was on my own from Les. I don't know how to say it. Les Miserables. Les Miserables. The only reason I know that yeah, is because like my sister, up. my sister is heavy into the theater. She you know that's her world. Like so yeah. with my sister, she's also in the entertainment business too, but she's more on the live performance theater side. Uh, mm-hmm. She's not really on the recording side. Like, she can sing, but it's not like where you are you're like you're on the recording music side and she's really not she doesn't Mm -hmm. go she doesn't go make records 
<laughs> but she's more of like yeah. she's more of the musical live theater that type of deal right you know she's kind of delved into comedy now filmmaking you know that type of, as well because she's in New York City you know she loves it out there but but yeah so that's all you know I always tell you that's right. a whole different world that's right? cool. the, the theater world and the recording world I hate the word you never hear me say recording artist right recording artist your generation y'all, y'all are not recording artists y'all are content creators. That's the difference. <laughs> y'all are not rec- recording Pretty artists. Much, yeah, yeah. That I tell people all the time. That term is dead. I don't ever use that. This generation, y'all are not recording artists. Y'all are, y'all are content creators with a focus on music. That's what it's. That's what it is. And it's, yeah. it's no longer about the record. Yes, it has to be important, but it's no longer about like re- the record. It's really about it, it. It is still about the record, but it's not because now you have to have. Every release you do, you have to have a content strategy behind it. You can't just yeah, put out a great, can't just put out a great record anymore. Like Woody Houston, they didn't care about <laughs> putting out content and the only content they put out was the music video. Right, <laughs> that's the only thing you didn't care about the co- a content strategy and social media and like it's a it's a different era. It's a different, yeah. Which is why a lot of those kind of artists, those what we call legacy acts. From that generation, they don't understand social media. Some of them do, and they've embraced it. But a lot of them don't because they're not. It's just not natural for them. They're right. they want to go make records. They like <laughs> like let somebody else handle it, but sell to social versus where your generation is. You know, it, it's it's a different time, but it's I think I think it's a better time. Yeah, because now you have more of a sh- you don't have to rely on what an A and R from a label is going to tell right. you. You know what I mean? You don't, have, you don't have to rely on the fact that you don't have to fit into the mold of an A&R who doesn't see, if they don't see your vision, then you're not going to sign you. You Now you can just, you can create your own, you can create your own movement, you know, and, and build your own audience and do it your way. You right. know what I mean? So, you know, so that's, that's why I think it's a little bit better than it was before. The only pr- the, 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 the good thing about the old industry was that you can curate music a lot easier back then because, again, like I was saying before, you needed to know somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody just to even get into. The music business was super small. The truth is, music is a big, this is a small industry. It's a very yeah. small industry. And everybody, especially at that major level, they all know each other. They all grew up together. <laughs> they all know each other. Like, you realize yeah. that, that, that that level, people who kind of are at the, what we call the top of the, the pyramid, so to say, they all know each other. They've known each other for years. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so it's much. It's a much different, it's a much different thing. It's Entertainment business is really, really small. It's not as big as people think it is. And you don't realize that until you're actually inside of it. Well, oh no! Yeah. This, is, this isn't this, this isn't a big, huge thing. This is actually really a small, really small, tight knit thing. That once you get in, you realize how small and tight knit it really is. Right. <laughs> you know. So. That's true. You know. So. Um, you know. So you go to you go to performing art school, and then so then you start writing your own songs at sixteen. So you start. So, so you you're in performing arts school, right? Yeah. Well, well, well I started writing music when I was around ten, eleven. <laughs> um, but I started recording, and, and so it was like a whole big timeline of growth. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Cool. Cool. So, um, you feel like when you started going to the studio recording music, were you like a professional? Like, did they have you in professional studios at the recording art school, or was it? Or, or did you you didn't do much recording at the high school, did you? You kind of did as far as studio work. No, you know? I didn't. I didn't do that much recording. It was more. It wasn't really that much recording. It was more. Um, performance and right just learning this your skill basically got you got you so you and they focused a lot on a musical theater too there yeah i figured that because that like i said it's and that's a different world it's a different yeah i like it i like musical theater 
Yeah. And, and they always say theater is like, that's, that's the, that's the work because you don't get a chance when it's live theater, you mm-hmm. don't get a chance to redo it. It's live. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to take, like I said, this is a real craft. You can't just show up there and not, and not be prepared. Like this is a lot of hours and dedication and work. Right. You know, people don't realize the type of, you know, that's not my world. I don't work in the theater world like that, but just knowing what I know, just it's, you don't get the chance to, for instance, if you're doing a film or if you're in the studio, you can, you can stop the recording and start over. If you mess right. up live on the stage <laughs> in front of an audience, you can't, yeah. <laughs> you can't go back. They've seen it. You, you can't know I mean? change it. So you better know what you're doing. Right. So it's a, it's a discipline yeah. that you have to learn, you know, and again, it goes back to, that's why I've always told people, like, you know, people always say, oh, let me go be an entertainer, go get a mm-hmm. real job, go get a real job. They don't have any clue how much of work this really, really is compared to what people think it is. Most people who don't have a clue, they think, oh, this, you know, this is something you just go do with your friends after school or after work. Like, no, this is people's livelihoods, you know? Right. When the, when the pandemic happened and the world shut down, people's livelihoods were cut off, <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, people, how people make a living was, was, was done. You know, people's had schedules and work booked out for a whole a year to two years and have to have that all just go away right? that fast. It's like, you know, people just don't, because, you know, the average consumer doesn't think about it like that. They think about entertainment as something you just do on the side after you work, go work a corporate job, whatever you do, it's just something you do on Decide for fun. They don't realize. No, people actually do this every day. This is their job, <laughs> right? You know, you know what I mean. So they don't get it. Yeah, you know, but it's it's all good. It's all good because I think the people who get it, who really get it, understand it. The people who don't, not everybody's not everybody's supposed to understand what this craft is. Not everybody's supposed to understand. Right. It. You know what I mean. So, yeah, it's not so, it's not for them to understand, really. Yeah, it's really not for them to understand. You know, like any industry, like whatever industry people are in, like there's certain things as a professional of an industry. Like, okay, if I'm in real, if if somebody's a real estate professional, they're supposed to know things that I'm not supposed to know because that's what they do. If they're in an in the industry every day as a professional, they're supposed to know things that the average who just isn't in that space every day isn't supposed to know. It's just what it is, you know. So. Right. Uh, so you, so you go to you graduate from high school, right? And you but but you decide you went to college. You went to Wright State, right? So you yeah you went to college, and so so did you have support from your parents? Because this is a big thing with parents, you know. Do they really support <laughs> the entertainment? You know, do they really understand what goes into it? Like, or they're like, no, you're gonna go. You're gonna go get a real job, and you're gonna have a real career, and, 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 and you know, and you and you got to deal with that, you know, you got to yeah. because they don't like you just said they don't really. That's not what they. That's not what they were taught growing up. Like, right? You might run into it where like you have a parent who like was really into it, and they kind of know, so they like, well, I'm gonna support my kid because I know what well, this is my dream too. You know what I mean? Right. And yeah. so you can it's it's much easier to understand what they go through because you wanted to do it. But when you have parents, like neither your parents are in any entertainment space. So they probably were like, not at all. Well, you know, like, no, you're not going to, yeah, like, we're, 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 not, we're not doing this. So how, tell me about that. Tell yeah, me, no. tell me they're about, they're tell in me, the medical field. <laughs> right. So tell me about that conversation, like, about them, about you telling them you want to do this for real. Like, do you remember having those conversations oh, I- with them? Well, I told them when I was like a kid, I told them they know they knew my whole life that this is what I wanted to do. They never they you know, my dad support, but they both supported me. My dad would take me to talent shows um, in the city. Um, They helped me get into performing arts. Um, My mom would take me to the studio, drive me to the studio. So they've been supportive um, and they just, you know, they. They were big on me going to college still just because they wanted me to get my education and still have a backup plan. But they knew that that's what this is what I wanted to do. So, right. Yeah. 
and, you know, and it's almost and that term backup plan is so like it's almost like you're setting yourself up to like okay, if it just doesn't work, you know what I mean? And, right. and, and it's like pretty you know, much, but, yeah. There's, but there's people that are determined where it's like, no, this is going to work because yeah. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure it does work. You know, right? It, it's like one of my mentors, Leslie Brathwaite, who's a uh, twenty. He's one like he, he's a mix engineer. Like twenty, he does all. Now he does like all Cardi B stuff and everything. He just won a Grammy for whatever Cardi's last joint was. <laughs> I just That's good. Won a, just won another Grammy, but he always says to him because he always said that. I remember him saying this: "Never let your plan B be that far away from your plan A." Right, and that, and that like resonated with me because so many people have a plan B that's so far away from their plan A. So it's almost right. like, and, and the key is to make sure whatever it is you do. Like for instance, so like most entertainment attorneys are dis- or disgruntled former artists that just, you know, so they realized, okay, well, um, we as an artist didn't work out, but I still want to be around music. So who doesn't need a lawyer? You know what I mean? Like my man Tracy Lee. My man Tracy my man Tracy Tracy Lee's the only hip active hip hop artist who's putting out music actively, right? Who's also a licensing practicing practicing entertainment attorney. Right? And he's the only one. Wow. There's nobody else like him that's actively still practicing law and actually an active artist putting out music as well as Work with a lot of Kobe Bryant's camp and a lot of people, but he's also had a, you know, he, he came out in the nineties, so he had, you know, he's he did a record with Biggie, you know, very one of very few people that had a co-star from Notorious B.I.G. had on, on his record and everything like that, and you know, but what he realized was at the time where he was kind of in a crossroads of where he was, how what his next move was going to be, he decided, okay, well, I still want to be around music. But, you know, who does need an attorney? You know, and he and he saw that all the things that he was being screwed over with. So it's like, look, because see, because because he did because he was an artist as well. He can look at it from the artist side and the legal side. Not even yeah. because he's off. Remember, he had he had success. His single was like 37 weeks on the Billboard chart. You know, wow. so it's like he. He's one of those artists that actually saw some success in music. So there's a lot of people that have had the type of success that he had, you know, for the time the time window that he had it for. So you can have a different conversation with people when they know what it's like to be the creative. Like I don't know what it's like to be creative. That's not my space. My my creativity is people, you know. So it's hard for me to talk. I can talk creative, but you know me, like. I like I stay out of the crate because I feel like that's not my lane. Like I don't talk mm-hmm. about mixing and songwriting. That's just not the what I do. Like my gift is people and facilitating and creating things behind the scenes, and that's what I do. So, you know, it's just it, it's a matter of of um, you know trying to still trying to find a way. You know, even if the the artistry thing doesn't work out to the level you want it to. You still find a way to 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 stay around your passion, and so right. you know. So that's the thing. So a lot of people just don't. Most parents, our parents, just don't really know, because again, you need a special education to be in this industry. Mm-hmm. You know, you need. You know, this this is an unregulated industry, meaning you don't have to be licensed. You know, to your parents are in medical, so I'm pretty sure they had to have licenses and things they had to have certifications mm-hmm. and things of that nature to say, okay they can work ethically work in this industry and they know what they're right. doing, you know, and entertainment doesn't work like that. So you have people yeah. coming to this, you know, who really got no business being in the industry. So it, it, that's why I said it's unregulated in, the, in that way. So, you know, you kind of have to deal with that aspect of it too. So, and that's why you have a lot of people who don't feel they need an education because, Oh, I'm talented. Like, no, like embrace the knowledge, embrace the education, because that's what's going to set you apart from everybody else. Because you have the knowledge, you know, you have the expertise and the knowledge you have in order in order to see, you know, the success that you want to see. 
you know? So it's really important. And that's why I've always been, since we've been working together, I've always been with you on like, you know, educate, educate yourself. And see, you, the biggest ass you have is me, you know, you have somebody, I have the knowledge, you know what I mean? And you have, see, you know, you have access to me that most people don't have. <laughs> they want it, but yeah. you know, they don't have the access that I, I freely give you because I, I choose to, um, that they wish they did, <laughs> you know? Um, right. It's all good. It's all good. Um, so now we move along. So now you released your first EP, Dark Angel. And then your sophomore year of college. So, and then because those songs yeah. were the songs that I was introduced to you on. Like, uh, what were some of those songs? Really? Yeah, those, those are the songs. That was the song. I, I forget had. myself. <laughs> let, me, let me look it up. Huh? <laughs> let me look it up. Uh, some of those songs. It's been a long time. Was it like, was it Ride? ride one of them, Ride? You don't need to know. Yeah, Ride was one of them. Yeah, there was a yeah, and it was, that was really need to know. Um, yeah, huh? And that was just a different sound for you, I think. So, because you said that was like the dark side of your your dark R and B, as you like to say it. Like, yeah, <laughs> I was all into the dark sounding R and B. I think I was really inspired by. Um, well, I still am. Tanaje, yeah. she does more of the alternative R&B, and I was really into that. And, you know, I was just really emotional and feeling kind of depressed. So I feel like that kind of ref- reflected in the music. Mm-hmm. Okay. That yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah. that, that, that definitely makes sense, you know, um, for sure. And so like I, said, I mentioned this earlier about how, you know, when I got connected to you, and I remember Reggie sending me an email about you, and I said, I just knew that this was something special about you that, like, for some reason, I just knew that, okay, I want to work with this girl. And, you know, and it was just, I just knew I had to be a part of it, you know, and, and it was just, it was just, I was just intrigued, you know, I knew the talent was there, talent's always been there, and it's like, she just needs, to have somebody that's just by her side that actually can actually know because it's tough to do this by yourself. Yeah, when, it you, is. when you're young and you don't really know, you have the talent. The talent's never been a problem for you. So with the songs, you know, and you've gotten better with songs because there was a time where you would only write in the same pocket, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and all your songs would literally sound the same, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they, they would. They, they would literally sound as they would be just different song titles. Okay? But this sounds like the only one I just heard. And but you but over time, you know, you've grown or like you've now like you could tell in the, the growth in the songs that you no longer I don't hear that anymore. Like where songs sound like, you know, it just it just shows that the work that you've been putting in. And um yeah, that was just something special. And I remember, you know, you being in Cincy and obviously, too, I have in his studio in Indiana. I said, okay, well, you know, how can I, what can I do to help this young lady? Like, what can I do to, like, show her my value and why she should trust me? You know, because you did, you ain't know me from, you ain't know me from nobody. You know what I mean? Right, like, yeah. Like, you didn't know I me. Didn't. You, you, you didn't know me. You know, that's probably that's probably why we 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 clash so much because it's like I had a vision of like, no, she gotta do it this way. This way's gonna work. You know, and I, I think part of it too, like I said, you know, I think you just naturally, you know, just who you are, your personality. <laughs> so it's just like so it's just like, you know, and I think, you know, <laughs> we probably just we had to establish that trust, you know, where it's like, no, like I got your back, like. I ain't, I ain't going nowhere. And, and, you know, and I think, yeah, you like to say, you're the one that would, you would stand up for yourself, meaning like when I would tell you something, you'd be like, no, I'm doing it this way. And we would literally fight, <laughs> you know, and it was like, and it's not a real fight. It's I just, just like, I've, I've just always known, I've just always known, I don't know, I've always been independent and I've always, 
just knew what I wanted out of life. So I, I don't know. I guess I am protective of what my vision and ideas are. <laughs> right. And I would just let you. I said, okay, look, I'm just going to have to let this girl do what she wants to do. I will leave her alone. <laughs> <laughs> I left you alone and, you know, let you bump your head a little bit. And, you know, you came back. Like I knew you would. <laughs> because at the end of the day, what this comes down to is you need somebody in your corner. At the end of the day, I've one thing you can say about me is that I've always been true to you. We fight at the end of the day, you know, I love you. And that's just what has always just been that way. And I'm still here. Even though all we've been to is like, I'm still here. You you you, you can get in touch with me anytime you need to. <laughs> I'm here, you know, and, and, and it's just because, like I said, I know that when you're doing this journey, especially as a woman in a male-dominated industry where you know you can't... It's hard to trust people. Yeah. And you know, I'm like that even outside of music. Yeah. And it's like... I mean, life's hard. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, for me, like, I have... Because like I would always say, there's nothing you have that I need. Thanks. <laughs> and it's not a bad thing. It's just that there's nothing you have. There's nothing that you have to say, you know what? I like no, it's just I mean that when I say I the way I mean that is because like it's not like okay if if I don't work she's gonna do this for me by working with her like no it's like I work with her because I choose to not because she has something that I absolutely need you know and so because I always I just wanted to so not a sign on you it's just that again it's it's just you you know you you're not at the point where you have. Something that's like, okay, she got she she's going to get me to this level because of where she is. Like you weren't at that space, so it's like I'm choosing to do this because it's like I believe in who you are, you know. So so that's that's how, how I've always approached it, you know. And my heart was just always a spe- it was always just been a special special place, and that's why sometimes it's like I would think like, man, why am I? Why do I keep doing this? It was like it just, but it's uh, it just what it is, and that's why we're still rocking today. Because at the end of the day, no matter what, like I would always tell you, once you finally figure it out, it's gonna work. Yeah, and you're seeing that it's working. Because, <laughs> like I said, yeah. you stop worrying about the things that you can't control. You know what I mean? When you stop worrying about the things mm-hmm. you can't control, and just do what you know how to do. It'll work. It's going to take time, but it's going to work. Right. And you're starting to see, I mean, you have on, 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 on your project, you know, we'll get into, we'll get into that. Um, we'll get into that here in a second, but you know, you're starting to see the success because you're doing the work. You know what I mean? So Definitely. You know, like I said, I think mentorship, back to our relationship, I think mentorship is so important. I think having a person to guide you, and you know what it is too, and not necessarily having the biggest name, because a lot of people make that mistake too. They go after the big name, like, you know, this person's huge, you know, but it's like, no, work with people who have time for you, who want to actually be, see you win and be there for you, because it's so easy to get, caught up in he's you know somebody's resume but it's like they may not care that much about you yeah you know they know you're talented but like do you have access to them can you contact them whenever you want to do they generally care you know I mean, those are things you have to think about you know what i mean right it's, it's just it's not as simple as oh because they help rihanna or chris brown or whatever that mean they're gonna help you that way it don't work like that yeah you know, i was trying to, try to tell people Find people that generally care about you, not so much about what their resume is. Because in today's world, yeah. in today's space, most people will never ever get to that major la- major label success anyway. It's, it's just, it just probably won't happen for most people. Doesn't mean you're not going to be successful. A lot of times, success in music doesn't ever, the way you envisioned it, a lot of times doesn't always. Uh, turn out that way. It doesn't mean, you know, you haven't achieved what you wanted. It just kind of looks different because of the era that we're in. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but that's why I always preach to you about being global because 
being global is much, much more important than being famous. You know, fame, because the thing with fame is fame is always fleeting. The goalpost is always going, it's always moving. And it's like, you know, there's no metric that defines your defines how much closer you are to fame now. You know what I mean? So, you know, that's why I try to tell people just focus on doing the work and building your own audience and good things will happen, especially when the product is good. I was told you, you have, right. you have, you have good product, you know. Your whole thing Thanks. now is is putting it all together, getting your stuff together, you know, getting your, your business right. You know, those all those things, all those are the foundational pieces. So now you're starting people starting to come well, come become aware of you. So now you got to make sure that when they become aware of you, now that you're ready to be able to take advantage of that. And that's the next phase that you're at now. You figured out the music, you know, people are loving it. So now it's time to get the other pieces in place now. So that you can yeah. so people discover you, you're able to take advantage of it. Like and then you look pro. Your music, your music sounds pro, but everything else got to look pro, you know, and that's always the biggest thing, you know, mm-hmm. make sure be, you know, because people, you get one shot to impress people, you know, you want to make sure when they come see you that you keep their attention, you know? Right. <laughs> so that, that's, that's what's, that's what's really important, you know? So uh, we're going to end it. we're going to end the episode. Trying to talk about some some of your music. So you know you released you know a few standalone singles and a couple EPs since 2019, right? So if you're lucky, mm-hmm. and then your latest EP, Moonchild. And you know, talk to me about some of those songs also be arriving at the release of this EP, you know, and definitely the fact that you're at a place. I think you're really at a place now too. Like I said before, where Mentally, emotionally, physically, you're figuring it out, you know. And so, you know, talk, yeah. to me, talk to me about, you know, your your journey musically from the release of those singles. Not to mention your 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 delusional EP, you know, things like that. To getting to where you're at now, musically, talk to me, kind of talk to me about it. talk to me about that journey a little bit. Um. So, starting with delusional, the EP, um, I released that in 2019. Um, I was still in that dark R&B phase kind of with that. Well, I definitely was with that. Um, and that project was more about me expressing the dark feelings that I was feeling at the time, um, just with relationships and life. Um, but I released that. Um, I'm proud of that work. And after that, I just went straight to working and, you know, still recording music. And I was in the process of working on an EP called Chainless. Um, but, and that was around, well, actually that was last year, 2020, um, 2020 when I was working on that and about to release, but then I decided that I Were you frozen? Now I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I was working on um, Chainless, and I um, just kind of put it to the to the side. I felt like I could have done better, so I s- completely worked on Moonchild, which is out now. And um, it was just like a very easy process writing that pro that project. Um, and that project was more about happy I don't know it's just a happier sound a little bit but still it was vibey music R&B music and I feel like it it really showed my growth as a vocalist and as an artist um it's called Moonchild because Moonchild is the nickname for my zodiac sign cancer so I I don't know I really like zodiacs and I'm into astrology so 
Um, I really believe that people have at least some traits of their zodiac sign. So, and I think that, you know, I represent cancers and being emotional and sensitive. So, and that's kind of what the music reflected. So I felt like it was the right title. Um, so yeah, I just, I released Moonchild a year later, which is this year, um, last month in October and it's been doing really well. So I'm right now, I'm just releasing content surrounding the EP and, um, I'm going to be working on another project for next year and just going to keep pushing music and content and just growing my fan base. Yeah. See, you know, I think. You know, we have so many conversations about, you know, you say, oh, man, Dora, nobody's seeing my stuff. Nobody, the algorithm. I said, look, stop worrying about that, you know, and I get it. <laughs> and I get it because, look, it's natural to be like, oh, you know, because you know you're good, you know, but it's natural to be yeah. like, man, why is it people seeing my stuff? And like a lot of that is just something out of your control. Facebook algorithm is designed. They want you to pay it. They, Instagram, they want you to buy ads. You know, but even that, still, it's just it's just a messed up. You know, the algorithm just screws a lot of stuff up. You know, this is why it's important to have your own your own direct access to your audience because when you have your own direct access to your audience, you don't have to worry about an algorithm. You know what I mean? Right. You know, people. You know, you know people at least saw it. They may not respond right away, but you know at least they saw it because you went directly to them. You know, and so. Uh-huh. You know, now you use social media to, because that's where people are, but the goal is to take people who become interested on social media and take them into a place that you can control, which is, you know, your, your website or your email list or your text list, you know, you know, because that's just because you eliminate having to deal with the people see my stuff because the organic reach is gone, you know. Five, six, seven years ago, you can get mad organic reach on Instagram, you know, but they've tightened the range because, again, they want people to spend money. But then I also tell people, too, when they're first starting out that if you don't have a foundation in place, then trying to do a bunch of ads don't really work. Then you pretty much got all this organic reach just by you being consistent and posting. You haven't mm-hmm. you haven't thrown a lot. You don't haven't thrown a bunch of bunch of money into ads. Thrown a little bit, but it's not like it's been like you know. But you've got organic reach and you're consistent and you're posting every day and you setting up your content and that's why you're seeing the success. You basically you're doing the work. You know, yeah. and, that, and that's what and that's why I always wasn't that wasn't that what I always would tell you. Just, yeah, just, just do the work. The work stuff you can't control and you're seeing it that you have. Close to fifty thousand organic streams on your EP. It's the most success yep. you've ever had in anything you've done. Yeah, because you're doing the work and you stop worrying about the stuff you know you can't control. And again, it, like I always would tell you, the stuff I tell you is predicated on the fact that you have quality product. So the first and most first and most important thing is your product is quality. So that's why it's working. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. If your product was bad then nobody would, you know, really care. But you have quality product. So I'm so proud that, you know, because these win. that's why I always tell you too, to celebrate your small wins because that's what's going to keep you encouraged. It's tough. Yeah. It's hard when it's like, you still have regular life to deal with and stuff you want to do, you know. And you realize, <laughs> you're like, man, this is really, really expensive. <laughs> yeah. And, you know what I mean? And that's, I think, you know, because again, there was a time where, in the record label driven space where you just had to worry about being dope and somebody else would come and they would handle all the other stuff for they would handle the business you just go worry about being an artist and you really can't do that today because record companies are finishers they don't start they finish yeah so you have to you have to start and you and you have to put so much work in to get to a level where a label even interested in you so it makes it like now you have to question do I really want a label you know, and how do you, you know, so that's a whole nother conversation, <laughs> you know, about right. wanting a label and under, and that's why it's important to learn the business and know what is the, what is the purpose of a label? What's the label supposed to do? 
Because so, mm-hmm. even today, so many people are still so fascinated about getting signed. Like, that's the goal. I want to get signed. I'm like, that's, that should never be the goal. The goal should never, what is getting signed doesn't mean anything. It just means you're in debt. That's what it means. <laughs> they cut you a check. Think about it. One minute. Think about this with me. One minute. So your whole goal is to be signed, right? People will be signed. So one minute you're doing your thing, you're independent. Now you're signed. They cut you a check for $2 million. And all of a sudden, you're $2 million bucks in debt. You sign on Monday. You sign on Monday, and by Tuesday, well, you know, by Friday when they cut the check, you now owe this label two million dollars. <laughs> yeah. And most, and most of the time, what happens is, by the time you come, by the time you come around to your your next product for them, you're still in debt from the first product. But then they cut you another check because based off your contract, they got to give you an advance for every new product. So it's like you almost never really recoup, and it's designed that way. It's designed, most artists never recoup. It's very few artists recoup actually the initial investment because it's designed that way. That's why we why people love J. Cole right now because J. Cole was smart. J. Cole took a very, very limited advance and then he owned his master. So that's why they said J. Cole's worth like $60 million now because he did it the smart way. He knows with J. Cole, he doesn't have a bunch of jewelry. He doesn't have a bunch of stuff that doesn't even really matter. He owns his music. <laughs> That's the most important thing. He owns that intellectual property, you know? Yeah. And he didn't take a lot of money up front. See, that's the key. You never want to take more money than you need. Right. You know, the, you know, that's the whole thing with this whole Summer Walker thing. You know what I mean? What type of deal she signed and that she, she signed a good deal, you know? And, and, and we don't really know what, I mean, we don't even really know if what the contract, what the determined that religion is really what it was. We never really know. You know what I mean? The New York Times or whoever posted it, they could just be sensationalizing it for whatever it is. We don't really know what her agreement is. Like, we don't, like, really what the contract says. You know, but if it's based off what you think it is, then it's not a good deal. But at the same time, you know, when you get to a certain level, you just want to make records. So you, a lot of times, they always tell you, oh, don't worry about, don't worry about the business. Somebody else is going to handle that for you. You just go make a great record. It was like, no, you have to know what, you, what you're in. Because at the end of the day, you know, once you sign it, your attorney can't get you out of it. You know, right. the attorney's job is to advise you, be like, hey, I wouldn't do this if I was you. <laughs> you can do what you yeah. want because the attorney works for you. But their job is to advise you, say, hey, look, negotiate it. And nothing's ever completely 100% fair. This isn't. You know what I mean? If the label's putting up the majority of the money and they're taking the majority of the risk, they're going to want it to be in their favor because they're putting right. up the majority of the money. Now, that's true. If you're doing a situation like what Nipsey Hussle did or the JV deal, where it's like he had his own label, he had his own artist that he was signed that was signed to him, and then he signed was signed to himself, and he did what they call a JV deal, which is with Atlantic, which is essentially. If you sell the album for ten dollars, we put up five. You put up five. So it's much more. It's a lot more ownership involved than just being signed to the label, you know. And it just depends because some people just are so big, like I said, so big on getting signed that they don't necessarily really care so much about what does that really mean. And sometimes until it's too late, <laughs> then they've already been locked right. into the deal, and now you know. It, they can they they try to renegotiate, but it's going to be a while, you know. Because trust me, and now you see it now. I don't know if you saw this too with Taylor Swift, because she did so well in re-recording. You know, because she she basically re-recorded her whole first album. Mm-hmm. So now what labels are doing because she had monstrous numbers on streaming with that first album. You hear Ashanti, same thing. She wants to go record her original masters, and these labels are not liking that because they want to exploit those those recordings. So they don't like the fact, they don't like you being able to go take your old songs and re-record them, and now they can't make money on those original masters anymore because that's what that's how they make a that's how they make all that money because they own that intellectual property. Right. So now when you go and take those songs, you remember, remember with JoJo's album, JoJo went and re-recorded the first her first two albums that she she yep. owns, that she owns now, you know. And so when you do that, you change your whole game because now they no longer, that label no longer controls the intellectual property. It's one thing to 
to write the song, but you know how to control your music. And, and, and essentially, especially, you know what's really big too with owning the masses is when it comes to the sync side and how putting your music and television in the film and commercials and everything like that, where a lot of money is generated for these labels. So when they don't have access to be able to control that stuff anymore, then, you know, that's, that's a whole other thing that they don't really like to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, this was so much fun, you know, interviewing you, you know, on my podcast. It's been a pleasure. To yeah. It's been a pleasure to have you on here. Uh, Thank can, you for having me. What can people find you on? Where can people find you that are listening? Um, you can follow me on Instagram, um, Tori Helene, H-E-L-E-N-E official. Actually, no, I messed that up. <laughs> that was my old one. It's Tori Helene, H-E-L-E-N-E sings. Okay. Um, I'm also Tori Helene sings on Twitter. I'm on there a lot. And you can also follow me on TikTok. Um, Tori Helene sings on there as well. Cool. And she will be getting her website coming soon too, guys. That's coming soon. Yes. And to check out my um, EP Moonchild, um, mm-hmm. it's on all platforms. So mm-hmm. definitely keep uh, stream that. And yeah, I'll have more music and videos and content on the way. And it's been really good. I'm really proud of you. So guys, this has been another Thank great you. episode of the Encourage Inspire podcast. Until next time, we're out of here. Peace.